0: listening to Inclusive AF with Jackie Clayton and Katie Van Horn.
1: Uh, this is a good morning for us, but a good evening for our guests. Um, but this is Katie Van Horn. Welcome to the Inclusive AF podcast. Hi, and I'm Jackie Clayton. See, see that, that was good. good. You, you nice. did that no pause. You just, just knocked it out real quick. Yeah, like 100
0: quick. episodes. I can't figure out how to say my name yet. <laughs> I'm working on it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Our intros, you know, I think at some point we should probably like sit down and script them, but what fun would that be? Yeah, you know, that's, I know it's, better, right? but it's like off the cuff for us. Yeah. Um, so, uh, we have a very special guest today joining us, um, from Europe and, um, what we, uh, would love to do is just have a, a great conversation and, and learn a little bit more about him, but I'm going to turn it over to Julian to introduce himself and share a little bit about who he is. Julian.
2: Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Jackie, as well. It's a pleasure to be here. So, yeah, indeed, I'm, I am based in Europe. Uh, I'm originally from France, um, born and raised. And I left about 15 years ago to move to the UK first. And now I'm in Cluj-Napoca in Romania. So a little bit more east to, to where I was born, but a lovely place and I'm very happy to be here. And um, yeah, and happy to be with you as well and sharing a little bit more about myself. Um, As I said, I I was born in France, but actually very early on ended up in a very multicultural environment. Uh, My parents were divorced and my mom remarried someone from West Africa. So at the age of four or five, I had another culture coming in that I knew nothing about with very interesting stories behind as well, Um, cultural differences. And, um, and I think my my whole story after that as well was around um, a very diverse environment I have an aunt who is um, in uh, LGBT. Um, I when I moved to London, I think I lived with probably half of the planet at some point was in my house. (laughs) Um, I, I don't even remember how many nationalities we had. Uh, I met my wife in London, who is Romanian, um, and we ended up um, in Krusnapoka, where I have two daughters, seven and ten, who supposedly speak three languages, in reality, refuse to speak French, mostly, um, (laughs) and speak English as probably their main language, even though that's none of their mother tongues or father tongues. Uh, And then then second would be Romanian. So that's, that's a little bit about me
1: perfect perfect so we're going to do the rest of this podcast in French Romanian and English so it'll be great so we're going to just mix (laughs) it up for everybody yeah (laughs) see how it goes no just kidding um Jackie and I would not be well equipped to do that no very short that would be a very short I'm like I got the Parlez-vous Francais is about all I can do and I know that probably sounds really even horrible saying that so that's about all I have in in French um okay so I would love for you to share a little bit about your coaching practice and and what you do, because I think it's really, really fascinating and would love to kind of go through some of the steps that you take in your work you know as you're working with folks. And so I'm going to ask like three questions all at the same time, how you got into this. So would love to hear yes, a little bit about sounds it.
2: Sounds good. Um, well, how I got into this actually is probably uh, a, a good start because it's I've always been in the HR field, learning and development, developing people for about 20 years, um, mostly learning and development. And I grew in my career through that um, to, and at the end of my corporate career, I should say, um, I was managing the learning and development function for a multinational company and working a lot on leadership, um, soft skills, And from there, it was kind of a natural move um, to go into coaching. Although I have to say, this is something I had in my mind for a very long time. I think after a conference I had when I was at uni, I was like, one day I'm going to do that, but I thought I'm going to wait. I need my my saying is always like, if you want to be a good life coach, but you haven't lived because I was 22 at the time. How's that gonna work? So and maybe it was maybe it was a bit of a limiting belief, but who knows? I decided to give myself a bit of time and moved into coaching. So naturally, when I started coaching, I did a lot around leadership. Um, but then I fell in love with resilience and started learning learning more about it and practicing more um, around the resilience, even with my kids. Um, I have a daughter who. Um, I don't know, We're like old kids, of course, like we throw tantrums and be annoyed and so on. But I was like, OK, I can try this, some of these techniques as well. I've learned um, with, my, with me personally, with my children and with my clients. Um, and so five years ago, I decided to leave my corporate role um, and set up my own practice, become a coach full time and focused a lot on resilience. And then the link now as well um, to diversity and inclusion is that a couple of years ago, I wanted to really look at the correlation between the two. I I bumped into a piece of research that was showing the, the link between the two, but there was pretty much nothing out there about it. So I did a lot of work on how do I create the link between the two and discovered very quickly that people who are more diverse and inclusive, are more resilient and people who are more resilient have more chances to be inclusive as well so i did a lot lot of work on that and that's where i am now um running a, a number of different things in all directions but being in, in involved a lot in helping individuals and organizations build their resilience and build their inclusiveness
0: i love that and it, it makes me it's gonna make me laugh the whole time because I giggle as a black woman, um, parent of trans child in conservative Texas, when I hear about the resilience, I think it's really funny. And it makes me think of um, when we started posting salaries, and um, my CEO was like, Well, we've been trying to do this for two years. And I was like, Oh, well, we're just posting it. And they're like, well, are people going to be upset? And I was like, Yep, is that why is that why you haven't been posting it like i didn't under i didn't understand and i think especially on the leadership level when you meet other leaders because there's you know you have the diversity piece the different levels of resilience and different cultural opportunities and you put all these people into the same room that are trying to lead in one path resilience is definitely something that people have to understand yeah
1: Well, and I I think Mm -hmm. it's also that correlation between, you know, I'm glad that you mentioned your children and, you know, giving them that resiliency, because I think that's such a a critical piece. I, you know, you look at kids in, you know, the U.S. I think is such an interesting dichotomy of (laughs) resiliency from the perspective of, you know, it is a little bit of the have and have nots. And you have kids that you can tell you're like, oof how are they going to do in the workforce? Because they Mm -hmm. do not have any resiliency at all. And like, that's such a critical component from you know an EQ perspective to be able to say, how do I handle this hurdle? How do I deal with whatever it might mm-hmm. be? And like you said, Jackie, with like the pay stuff, there are going to be those folks that are going to see the pay and go, oof, like, so I'm underpaid or, or I'm way over or other folks. And how you deal with that hurdle and how you deal with any hurdle at work is just it's such a, a critical piece to being successful, honestly.
2: Totally. And interestingly enough, on what you were saying as well, there's three critical moments as youngsters, I should say, because it's not just children um, in terms of building their resilience. One is around usually like 11 to 13 years old. And you know, is that moment when we discover, well, oh, Jackie, who is in the same class as me, she's a girl and I'm a boy. What does that mean? And obviously color of skin and div- any kind of differences in terms of learning and so on. So that that moment when we all discover that we are all unique and but we have some similarities, but what does that really mean behind? And then the second one is when kids move from high school to uni usually because it's a very different setting, very different way of learning. And the final one, as you said, it's after uni when you move from uni to the work environment, which again, is so different it's we had structure we were given tasks to do and then suddenly the task we're being given is you need to do them for tomorrow for yesterday and i need them immediately because that's the way the work the the work environment handles things which we didn't have at uni so these moments are really critical in the life of of our kids and and these young people To become more resilient
1: yeah and i think we see it here and you know when the kids go off to university or college it is the we see so many kids kind of fall out in that first year where they are away from home for the first time having to do just the most basic of things and even that can be a struggle like excuse me how do i do my laundry how do i get food how do i you know all these like very basic things that you're like oh these are just things we know because we've gone through it ourselves ourselves or whatever but how do you kind of teach those things even prior to that so they are prepared to go to university or whatever it might be and um it just it's interesting but yeah once they get in the workforce it is there's no one holding your hand there's no one helping you it is you you have to figure it out so absolutely
0: I think so going with that it kind of reminds me just in the waves that Julian was explaining, it made me think of like the, we talk about have and have not, but then the children go through, I will give you everything, wait, that's mine, wait, I'm going to give you everything, wait, this is mine. I'm going to hold on to this through those whole phases and you see that at like culminate as adults, you know where were they in those different paths and I I always that that. um between the 11 to 13. That's when my my children wanted to give everything that we had away always, mm-hmm. all, all of the time. <laughs> um, and you're, you know, you teach about different people and cultures. And it's funny how watching them grow. Believe me, your children are, are young, it just gets more exciting. <laughs> my kids are 19 <laughs> and 21. And they both called me the same day. And they were like, Mom, we, we left our refrigerators there's mold in our refrigerators like they didn't know they were like, it was complete panic and chaos. And I was like, Todd, what do we do? And I was like, he's he's like, I think I failed my children somehow. Like I didn't teach them. We have to start over. What else have we missed? (laughs) Which I'm sure you get all the time
1: coaching people. Oh my gosh. Oh, you missed this lesson. Let me help. Let me help. Absolutely. So let me so the inclusive coaching for resilience so mm-hmm. you have it's a five step program. Share a little bit about what those steps are, whatever you're comfortable sharing. Um, you know, I don't want you to yes, give away any uh, IP. Um, yeah. But
2: <laughs> no, of course. Well, so the 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 idea behind is um, it looks at two things um, in 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 parallel somehow. One, uh, an element which I've defined as the six dimensions of um, inclusivity, and it's looking into what are these six areas that. Uh, we each need to be truly inclusive individuals. And some of us have um, one or two, and some some of us have a little bit of everything. So it's one looking at this. And the second one is about the resilience itself. And so looking at at those four dimensions of resilience that help us really create that balance um, that we need. If one of them is, imbalance then probably is going to have a huge impact on the rest so that's looking into um, things like our confidence in our own abilities or in our interpersonal skills the control we have of the the environment around us uh, and of our emotions and whether we are able to go into new challenges and take risks and how committed we are so these four elements are part of the resilience and so what the program does is it really looks into um how would i say it like um i'm I'm looking for for the word but i can't find it but i have an image you know like when you peel an onion it's like going layer by layer um around each of these elements and starting with the inclusion and thinking, okay, what are the the different elements where I have strong points, where I have areas of development? Now, let's move into the resilience. Again, what are some of the areas that um, I'm pretty tough mentally or what are the areas where I'm more sensitive mentally? And then bringing it together once we've created that awareness to think, what is it that I can do by being more resilient is going to have an impact on being more inclusive and vice versa on being more inclusive that um, is going to make me more resilient and at that point it's about supporting people in really creating concrete actions that works for them and that comes from um, some of the research i did um, when i was putting the program together that if you search for diversity and inclusion online just do a google search you end up with very little concrete actions. You end up with organizations, initiatives, activities that they can do and so on. But if me as an individual who has some elements of inclusion, but I'm not perfect because, well, I haven't lived a lot of these experiences. And and ultimately, if I mean, if you look at myself specifically, I am a white straight male, So there are definitely a lot of experiences that I haven't lived. How do I become more inclusive and how do I become more resilient on that journey without these concrete actions? And that's what is missing out there. And that's what the program does. It's almost leaving you with like a a book of, I don't know, five, ten, however many you think you can handle actions, concrete actions that you can put in place once you leave the program.
1: That's great. I think you know, one of the things that we're talking about right now in the US is actually the over resilience of black women. And you know, we're mm-hmm. seeing it on display right now with the Supreme Court nomination of um, Kentaji Brown Jackson, and you know how that and you know we had one of our um, representatives, you know, talking about, oh, you're you're you know you're the one for all black women and all of these things, and it's just putting so much on her. And you know we talk about the over-resilience, or you know not, that's not the right yep. expression, but that's basically what it is: is that black women have been expected to be be resilient and just take it, mm-hmm. and in and, and be all things for all people at all times and so have you had instances where it's almost like you have to pivot away from that resilience Mm -hmm. or help people kind of pull back from that resilience?
2: Yes, completely and um, to give you a really concrete example, if you look at the four dimensions of resilience, uh, if we take maybe the challenge one which is really all about how much risk you're taking, that's a very good example because here you can be in a very balanced at a balanced level so you can be very low and you don't take enough risk you don't push yourself outside of your comfort zone but if you're taking risk all the time and maybe some some really huge risks that could be really damaging for you as well because you're the one who basically holds everything and you're always pushing yourself and is gonna have for sure an impact on other elements of your life um, it could have it could have an impact on your confidence if you haven't built your confidence and you have worked on it and you keep taking risks, and chances are that you're gonna have more failures the more risk that you're taking. If you're if you're not able to actually look at the confidence side and say, Well, I understand what um, skills are or what abilities I have, and I feel confident about them. It could have a huge damaging um, impact on that as well. It could have an impact as well on the way you commit to things. Um, It can have an impact on the control you have on on your life as well, which is very important as you go through different environments. So definitely there are moments if you're pushing it too far, it could have an impact on a number of things. And that means in the long term, the, the probably the core of non resilient people, which is going into burnout, and possibly that means mental health behind that, there's that affected physical health and so on.
0: I'm, I'm always tired. I didn't figure out those types of things till so much later in life. Yeah. I think, you know, probably within the last five years, when someone was like, you know, you can relax a little bit. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, I'm going to try that. I would try that. I call it like rest as um, resilience. Rest as a form of protest. It's like I'm going to bed, you know, and trying to do all of those things. But I'm curious as you talk about the resilience piece and then the coaching piece, how do you how do you get people started? Like if they're starting at stage one or in the within the first phase, how do you bring mm-hmm. it to people's attention who may not have realized that it was even an an issue and concern in the first place?
2: So, um, but there, there are different ways. But one of them that I use a lot is I've got I've got an assessment around um, your level of resilience, which helps a lot because, again, um, when we look at assessments, they're filled in by individuals. So that means those people are filling the information. So if they are unaware, they might not necessarily um, have the right answers. You might not have like a complete picture. But at least it creates a place where you can have those discussions. So I think that's that's a good place to start. And then um, from there, I think when there there are different tools that we use in coaching, obviously, to be able to to reveal some of these things. But I think it is about listening very carefully to the words they're using and how they're using them and and really uh, bringing up that awareness. a little bit like you were talking about um, both of you in the examples, either Black women who are seen as they have to have all that resilience and be the strong ones and push and so on, or realizing that just the, the you saying, oh, I, well, I feel tired and okay, what's behind that? Let's discover a little bit more. And thinking about the fact that, yeah, you need to, how do you take care of yourself, for example, could be a good question to start with. What is it that you're doing that allows you, you know, a bit like, they go in the plane, um, you need to put your mask first before you help others. Well, what do you do when you put your mask first? What is that? What does that look like? What is it really concretely? And a lot of the time it reveals a number of things where actually most people say, well, I don't really do it. I put other people first, uh, or I don't think about it, or I do it in some areas, maybe I eat well. But I don't sleep very well or I don't do any exercise. And then from there, you can start thinking, Okay, let's look into um, a bit more in-depth tools. So um, there are things we use. There is a brilliant tool I love, um, which is called uh, turning ants into pets. And it's basically turning automatic negative thoughts into positive enabling thoughts so when people have the kind of language that they may have that is quite negative how do you help them turn that around and look into any limiting beliefs that might be behind and um what are strategies that would help them move forward and so on so they i I think i have a, a pile of resilience exercises that i can use but and some that are very simple as well. Um, There is one that I that I really, really love. It's like you put two people in front of each other and hands behind your back and you have to show a number at the count of three on your fingers, the two people at the same time. And the exercise is that the first person to say how many fingers do we have across the four hands is the winner of the round somehow. That's a very simple exercise, very simple game, but that creates focus. And when you create focus, then suddenly you can move into thinking better about what are the risks you're taking. You can think better about what are the challenges that you're having? Uh, what are the skills that you're going to need as part of that? And um, what how much control you have of that specific task or objective? And you've reached the four dimensions of resilience just with just one simple exercise. I'm going to
1: awesome. turn my in into pets. Pets. I like I it. I like Antony it a pe- lot. I like it a lot. Um, all right. One so, thing um, though,
2: actually, oh. if you're going to use it, yes, make sure that you don't only think about how you can turn the thoughts like that, but also what's going to be the impact. I think that's an important part that helps you move forward. The impact on yourself, the impact on the people around you, whoever is aligned to whatever task or objective you're trying to, to focus on.
1: Awesome. All right, folks, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back.
0: I love I love the quick break. I love the fake quick
1: break. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And we're back. Thank you so Yay! much for joining. Yes, <laughs> joining us. So, Julian, before the break, you were talking about impact. And you know, I, I think that's the piece that Is interesting to me. And again, you know, I I can't help but put this lens of, you know, this situation we're in right now with the Supreme Court nomination. And I think the impact that we're also seeing that's kind of playing out is the impact it's having on other Black women in the US of seeing this on display the massage noir, the just. I don't know what other word to use racism, you know, just all of the things that are on display during this hearing. And, um, you know, would love to hear a little bit about, you know, how do we, you know, sitting on the sidelines, have that, like, build that resiliency in ourselves, even when we're not involved. So, you know, I'm sitting here Mm -hmm. as a, a white woman going, this is not okay. What is that, you know, how do you build that muscle as well to say, you know, hey, how do i deal with this as i'm watching it kind of on display on the tv
2: we are gathered here today to give you permission to plan the wedding that you want I'm Jessica Bishop. And I'm Sari Wienerman. And we're the hosts
1: of the Bouquet Toss podcast.
2: Today's couples have to juggle so many things, from family expectations to outdated traditions and what's currently trending. So to make it easier, we're going
1: deep to figure out why we do weddings the way that we do, so you can decide what to keep and what to toss from your wedding day plans.
2: You are cordially invited to subscribe to the Bouquet Toss wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com.
1: By the power vested in us, we pronounce you free to plan your day your way.
2: Yeah. Um, Well, so when 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 we think about, um, I mean, one of the definitions of resilience is about is that ability to uh, prepare for, cope with, and adapt in the face of challenges. And so I think one of the very important things is as much as possible. And that's the the first point is about preparing. So that's something that when we think about resilience, we need to stop thinking about it as this is something I need to do when there is a stressful moment happening, we need to start much earlier. So these small exercises I was mentioning before the break, these are the kind of things you can do all the time to create that focus or to think about uh, to reflect on on some of the things that are important to you, so that's 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 one thing that is important. The second thing is obviously when the moment happens, uh, we need to find ways to be able to deal with those challenges and those stressful events. And um, there are many techniques. I'm I'm sure there are some people are much better than me on that with anything around mindfulness and breathing and all these things. Um, these are techniques that actually have been proven, and I have actually even a, a tool I use that really show how your body is changing as you go through that stressful event and how your heartbeat is actually going from going all over the place to having that, um, that coherence in the way you're um, you're dealing with. It. What happens at that point? And the reason why it's useful to do that is because when we're in a stressful situation and we need to be resilient, well, the the stress is releasing cortisol, and that cortisol makes us go into our fight or flight mode. When actually, what we should be really be making sure of is that we use our creative brains, that is going to enable us to problem solve and find solutions, which in the moment we don't do, and so. When we stop ourselves to go into any reaction, we can focus on the outcome that we want to reach and think, okay, what's the outcome and what's the right reaction I need to have to be able to go and reach that outcome? Basic example we probably all have is you have a fight with your partner while shouting back or slamming the door for sure is not going to reach the right outcome i mean rarely i would say Um, i don't know if it works for anyone but i'm pretty sure we're not going to have the right outcome at the end if you stop and you think about what is it that i want to achieve in that conversation in that moment then you will change very much your reaction and the last one is about learning so really it is about um, that that adaptation It's about saying there are so many things that have happened now, and okay, we need to bounce back. What have we learned from it? What are the strategies that other people are using, for example, um, that I can apply for myself as well to be able to help me move forward? Um, so I, I, it was a very long answer for a quite simple question, but there are so many ways, I think, and it depends on each individual. But I think specifically to the example you gave, This is very much about control. So it's about thinking, how much control do I have? How much influence do I have? And what do I have influence on? And focus on that Um, because there are elements like, and going back to a couple of years again in the US with some of the the events that happened um, in relationship with police and, and BIPOC, Individual by Black individuals probably was more the, the case at that point in time. How much impact do I have on changing the police? Probably not a huge amount, but if you am starting to think about the elements I can have an impact on, maybe I have a good relationship with my local mayor and I can have a conversation there. Then suddenly me as an individual, I'm going to react very differently to the situation and I'm going to start looking at solutions. Maybe I'm a coach and actually I can approach the local police station and say, how about I do a group coaching session that would help everyone, whatever it might be. But thinking about what are the things you can really have an impact on and you can have some influence gives you that control to be able to move forward. And that means you become more resilient as well.
1: so we would be remiss if we didn't talk about where you are today. Um, and so, would love to hear about what you're doing tonight. Um, so you, you shared a little bit about what you're doing. So obviously, you're yes. in Romania. Um, what are you? What do you have planned for the evening?
2: So tonight, I'm going to a lovely event actually that has been organized by the Inter- International Cl- Women's Club in Cluj um, to welcome and and kind of create a, an environment of. Safety and um, and warmth for Ukrainian refugees that have um, arrived in Cluj and in Romania. So, we are, I realized actually, even though I've lived here for 10 years, I have never realized that we're only 180 kilometers away from the Ukrainian border. I thought it was much further than that. So, we are very close. And for the last few weeks, we've seen a, a lot of very sad things, but also a lot of very heartwarming things of the community in Romania and I'm sure it's the same in many other countries um, rising up to support um, in these tough times and so I'm going to that event uh, where all the families all the Ukrainian families that are here in the city are invited for a big barbecue in the park with all the children being able to play and all the families being able to have a good time together
1: that's amazing i didn't realize it was that close either yeah 180 kilometers i just looked it up that's 110 miles for us uh, <laughs> i only know that i only know little math that is one of the, the maths that i have learned over here. we have to always do the the math when i'm uh, when we drive in mexico because i'm like kilometers to miles i just switch it on my car now which luckily they now have that <laughs> functionality because i can never figure it out um well, that is awesome that you're going to that event tonight. That that uh, makes me happy, and that you know the Ukrainian people are being welcomed into other countries, mm-hmm. especially you know right now when they need it so much. And so, thank you for being a part of that. And you know, we uh, hope it's a successful event. Um, so, what we would like to do at the end of our episode is we like to ask uh, each person. Uh, and we don't ever come up with one, but we'll just go with nope. it. So one thing you want to make sure people walk away with you know, from this episode, one thing that they can take mm-hmm. away and, and learn. So we'll let you go first and then Jackie and I will go as well.
2: Well, if if you've said clearly that uh, it's always more than one, then I have two to share. Uh, yeah. so I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna start the trend so you, you feel better Perfect. about sharing Love it. more Love than it. one.
0: See, not just me, I'm not alone. <laughs> So the the, the first thing I
2: think here um, is about, I think, being open to push yourself outside of your comfort zone. I think this is important in both becoming more resilient and becoming more inclusive in, in both sides. It is very important. I think we limit ourselves a little bit too much sometimes in in what we can and cannot do. And, you know, that little gremlin on our shoulder that tells you you can or cannot do that. Well, no, let's let's put him on the side for a second and go, yeah, I I can do it. Let's go and discover a little bit more something new. The second thing I want to say is as part of that process, one of the tough things uh, which is for us somehow basic when we come to, when we talk about coaching but for a lot of people it's not and even as coaches sometimes we don't do it so well it is about listening and i think that's another element that is very important i think again both in resilience and in in being becoming more inclusive that that ability to say i'm going to pause for a second and i'm going to just take the information in and learn from the others um, to become more resilient, that means we're learning about how other people are resilient themselves and becoming inclusive. I think it's it's much easier to see the link. But I think it has a huge impact being having these these two ears completely open and uh, and really focusing on the other person and hearing their story.
1: what you got?
0: i you know, I'm thinking about it, and it just makes me go back to thinking that in, And uh, all of these different moments, you, I think people are more resilient, you know, to Julian's point than they think they are. We are watching a community of people that did not, you know, we talk about, where do you see yourself in five years? I guarantee nobody saw them, not saw it here. And realizing that you have to just kind of get through, I'm sorry about Scooby, by the way, in the background, if you can hear that, Um, it makes me think of, you can do more than you think you, you can. And to um, really dig into those moments and see what people are, are going through and share those stories to have those conversations with other people of, of how they're going and use them not as pity, but moments of inspiration where, you know, to think that you can probably do more than you think you can, um, especially when you're pushed to, that you can. So that's what I think
1: I'm going with. Awesome. Um, and I'm going to go with, um, self-awareness. So, you know, I think the piece that as you were talking and as you were sharing kind of the different steps, the piece that kept coming back to me is like, there has to be this level of self-awareness and, and, you know, it goes with the listening, it goes with kind of all these different pieces that you've been talking about that, you know, we have to stop and look at how am I impacting the folks around me? How am I being perceived by others? And and that will help you kind of decide what, how you react, how you build that resilience, how you kind of come across all of these different pieces. And so I think just that self-awareness piece really came to mind as you were talking about, you know, how do we not just ask folks to be more resilient, but also to step back and just think about how they're showing up and how they could show up differently, uh, you know, in the future. So. Julian, thank you, uh, truly appreciate you taking the time. And yes, I know it's, it's late. So, I uh, appreciate you, uh, showing up and, and being here with us this, this evening. Um, this is Katie van Horn and I'm Jackie Clayton, <laughs> and this is the inclusive AF podcast. Bye-bye. Bye.